you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? Merry Christmas. And uh, so I think it was Alfred and Dolores were mentioned. They had their anniversary last week or the week before. Uh, we also heard uh, they just had a baby. And uh, so if you see them, congratulate them on their newborn. If you're, if you're here, uh, you're kind of new, new to experiencing God uh, the way we did this morning, uh, I want to say welcome to the real world. The Promise Fulfilled is a four-week series about four songs from the book of Luke which celebrate the birth of Christ. And this series uses the songs and the stories from Zechariah and Mary and the angels and also from Simeon. These are all found in the Gospel of Luke. We just finished a three-week series on the book of Malachi. And after Malachi's prophecy, history tells us that the people of Israel didn't hear from God for 400 years. As we enter um, this Christmas season, I want us to keep in mind what that experience was like for them. They knew that a Messiah was promised, but it was centuries before that was fulfilled. And as we enter this Christmas season and this new series, we're going to see how God is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. You may be holding on to certain promises. There may be things in your life that you sense God wants to do, but it seems like it's a long time in the waiting. And I want you to remember, no matter what you're going through, that the greatest promise that God ever made has already been fulfilled. And if he has fulfilled the greatest promise, then every other promise is a yes and amen. You know, many of us feel the busyness of the holiday season. Many of us may say, I know that Christmas is about Christ, but I'm so busy with tree decorations and family gatherings and parties and shopping and preparations that if I'm really honest, I'm so busy, I don't even have time to rest much less focus on my relationship with God. It's hard to find time to worship and to pray and to be in the word and to give thanks. My schedule is just crazy. For others of us, we have a different experience. It's not so much about busyness. It may be about belief. For some of us, uh, we know about Jesus' birth. Uh, we know he entered human history to forgive us. But to be honest, we struggle on the inside with all this stuff about Christmas cheer. If you can relate to the busyness of the season, or maybe we struggle on the inside with what we believe about Christmas, then I want you to know that this series is for you. During these four Sundays leading up to Christmas, as we take time to receive from God, to receive through his word, I believe that God is going to do something it's going to do something to draw us closer to him and allow us to be able to experience him in a way that's real and experience the real meaning of Christmas. And so I invite you to join with me as we seek him to do that. Sound good? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your richness, 
I thank you that you're here. Lord, I thank you that you're mindful of each one of us. Lord, I thank you that you are very aware of our situation and where we're at in life. And God, I ask that you would meet us right here, right here in the present, in the moment. God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, speak words of truth that will bring light and bring life. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text is found in Luke chapter 1, but before we read it, allow me to set the stage. Uh, You may recall the story is that Gabriel appears to Mary. And Mary is a virgin, and the archangel Gabriel says that she's going to have a child. And she says, how is this? And he explains that the Holy Spirit would be upon her and the child's conception would be divine. And he gives her assurance that nothing is impossible with God. He says, you know, even your relative Elizabeth, who's old, she's elderly, she's beyond childbearing age, she's with child. And Mary gets excited and she goes to visit Elizabeth and they're both excited about what God is doing. They're so excited about what he's doing and Mary begins to just kind of praise the Lord and sing from her heart. And and it's recorded here in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46. We'll read it together. Mary responded, How my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children, forever. So that's the text we're looking at today. The message is, in t- is really the, the title of the message is a question. And the question is this, why is Mary Mary? Mary said, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And you see there we've highlighted that he took notice. That's huge. Being noticed is a basic human need for every person. Being noticed is something that I mean, every person needs to be seen. I just watch little two and three-year-olds when you take notes of them and you say, hey, I see you, and just watch their, light, their eyes light up when you pay attention. We all need to be acknowledged. We all need to be known, to be special, to be chosen. And these are all forms of love, and God wants you to know that he notices you. A recent joke in our church was coined by Ephron. As most of you know, uh, we have a monthly youth service on Saturday night. In fact, they just met last night. And it's led and conducted by students, and they call it Chosen Gen, which is an abbreviated version of Chosen Generation. And Pastor Elmore and Van support them to help develop them as leaders, And Ephraim said, Elmore is happy because he has chosen Jen. (laughs) 
I think you could turn that around. <laughs> you could turn that around and say, Jen is happy because Elmore has chosen Jen. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Elmore is married to Jen. <laughs> but the point is this. We're happy when we're chosen. We're happy when we're chosen. Mary was happy because God noticed her. You know, one day I was painting my house, and it was threatening to rain, and I was kind of disappointed because I was, had a very, very, very busy schedule. If I didn't paint it today, I didn't know when it was going to get done. It was like, now, do or die. And the weather was threatening to rain, and I kept watching out in the horizon where the wind was blowing from, and I thought, oh, man, it looks like it's going to rain. And all of a sudden, God popped this idea in my mind, and and. The way this happened, I just want to encourage you, it's important to read the Bible. I just want to encourage you to read the Bible and and get as much of it inside you as possible. I mean, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will remind you of the things that I have taught you. But to be reminded means that you had it in mind to begin with, to be reminded. And so you've got to get it inside so that if it's, when it's there, and you're, you're going about circumstances in life, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit can go, and just give you a story or a thought or a verse or a principle that goes, ah, you know, I think God's giving me an idea. And I had one of those moments. And the idea that God gave me just in a flash was an entire story from the Old Testament. Guys, remember David, King David? Who was his best friend? Jonathan. Jonathan had an armor bearer. And back in those days, David was establishing the kingdom of Israel. It was kind of like it is today. They're still fighting over territory. Well, back in, that, back in those days, it was like 10 times worse. They were fighting to establish themselves for the very first time. And so they were at war with the people groups around them. And Jonathan got this crazy hair of an idea just to take his armor bearer and to go across into enemy line and to pick a fight and possibly God would give them the victory. And you know what? He did. They had the victory. And the Lord just popped that picture in my mind, and he said, why don't you trust me for something crazy? Why don't you just try me? And I thought, okay, I'm going to get up on the roof, and I'm going to paint. And I had done this before, where it had rained 10 minutes later, and all the paint dripped off the edges of my roof and on the sidewalk and the grass, and it was a big mess and a big waste. And I didn't want to do that again, but God was telling me, try me this time. And so I did. I got up there, and I started painting. My daughter was up on the roof with me, and about 15, 20 minutes into it, I looked up, and I said, Tara, look, look. And she spun around, and she's like, what? And I go, no, look up. And she looked up, and she goes, it's the sky, what? And I said, no, look at the direction of the wind. And she's like, uh, yeah. She didn't know which way the wind blows. But normally it blows from over here. And the wind was now blowing in the opposite direction from over here. And God was blowing all the dark clouds away. And the sun came out and baked that paint on all day long. And it's there to this day. So here's the point of the story. For days, I sat in my living room and I thought, God, why would you do that for me? I mean, in light of world politics, in light of world events, my little painting project isn't even a blip on the radar. Why would you do that? 
And I came away realizing that God just wanted me to know that he's mindful of me and that he sees me. And the little things that are important to me are important to him. And God wants you to know that that's how he sees you. He sees your situation. He knows your heart. He knows what's important to you. And God wants you to know that he's mindful of you. And if you have, if you have a hard time receiving that, you know, if, if, it's, if there's, somehow there's not a place in your heart for that idea to land and be at home, just want to encourage you to just think about your life and the fact that you exist, that God thought about you, that he created you, that he gave you a spirit, soul, and body that is more complex than anything else in all creation. And just the fact that he thought about you and he made you, and not only did he just make you, you are unique. There is nobody else like you. Of all the people who have ever lived throughout all of human history, there's nobody else like you. God is mindful of you. May we all be awakened to the presence and the activity of God to perceive that he is mindful of us. The second reason that Mary is happy is found in verses 51 and 52. She said, His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. just want to camp there for a moment and unpack that. What does that mean? Do you know who the greatest king who ever lived? Do you know who is the greatest king who ever lived? The answer is found in the book of Daniel. I want to encourage you, if you haven't, read the book of Daniel. <clears throat> I really like it because some parts of the Bible are kind of um, chronologies or maybe documentaries or maybe records of things that happened in history. They don't read like fictional stories that, you know, they, they have a building and, you know, there's the enemy and, there's the, and, and, and the story comes to a conclusion and there's a resolution, but... In Daniel, it reads like a real story. It's, it's really cool. I encourage you. And so what happened was Babylon was the greatest country at the time. They came and defeated Israel, took them captive into Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar, he gathered the brightest and the sharpest of the young people, and he put them through three years of college, trained them in all the culture and language of the Chaldeans. And then he wanted the cream of the crop to come and serve him in his court. And so among them were four Israel Jewish boys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was the Chaldean names that they were given. And so one day they heard that uh, the king had a dream, and he brought all of his wise men into his council. And these guys were new. They're the interns. But he brought the seniors into his council. And he said, I want you to give me the interpretation of my dream. And the wise men said, O king, tell us the dream, and we shall give you the interpretation. And he said, no, I'm not telling you the dream. I just want you to tell me the interpretation without me telling you the dream, so then I'll know that the interpretation is true. And they said, what? What are you, what are you, what are you talking about? Who can do that? Nobody, nobody can do that. And he said, okay, then I'm going to kill all of you. This guy's crazy. And so he told the captain of the guard to gather up all the wise men, 
And now that included these interns. And he told, the captain of the guard went and gathered them and told them what was going to happen. And Daniel, the Bible says, he spoke with discretion and discernment. And he inquired of the captain of the bodyguard, what is the urgency that the king has done this? And so the captain of the bodyguard explains it to him. And he says to the captain, take me to the king. And he goes to King Nebuchadnezzar and he says, "Um, give me some time. I have a plan. And so the king says, well, you're pretty bold. Everybody else chickened out and I'm going to kill all of them. But you come to me and tell me you got a plan. So, okay, let's see what you got. And so Daniel goes to his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says, guys, you got to (laughs) pray. You got to pray. And so they do. And that night, the Lord reveals to Daniel the dream. The next day, he tells the guard, I know the answer. The guard rushes him to the king, and the guard says, I found a man who can interpret the dream. (laughs) And so Nebuchadnezzar is listening. He says, what do you got? And he says, you know what? No, No person can do this, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has revealed it so that you, O king, may understand the thoughts of your mind. And so what happened, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream of this immense, enormous, magnificent statue. The top was made of gold. The arms and the breast were made of silver. The abdomen and the thighs were made of bronze. And the legs were made of iron. And then the feet and the toes were made of iron mixed with clay. And he said, this is a picture, a symbol of the future nations of the world. And each one of them kind of decreases in value and preciousness over time. But he said, you, O King Nebuchadnezzar, represent the head of gold. You are the greatest kingdom that has ever existed. And these others will come after you. And in your dream, you saw a great stone come and shatter the statue until it was like dust. And that stone grew and became a great mountain and a kingdom that would last forever. He was talking about the kingdom of God. And then it says King Nebuchadnezzar went to Daniel and bowed down and began to pay homage to him. And then he exalted him to be the right-hand man in all of Babylon. And Daniel recruited his three friends uh, to be the third tier. And they, they, they became the rulers of Babylon because of that story, that situation. Later, Nebuchadnezzar, because of the dream, he actually built a statue to represent what he saw in his mind. And he built this huge statue, and then he called everybody to come and bow down to it and bow down to him and his, rule, and his leadership. But these four guys didn't do it. He said, I'm going to play the music. You bow down. They didn't bow. And so... Um, You know the story I told it last week where they got thrown into the fire. The Lord showed up and saved them, and they they came out. And again, Nebuchadnezzar goes, your God is the God. Nebuchadnezzar, although he had this dream from God, and he had these revelations from Daniel, and he saw proof of it when they were in the fire, still he didn't get it. And so one day, he's at the top of his palace, and he looks at all of his kingdom, which is vast, And he says, this is all mine, which I have created. And when the Lord saw that pride, the Lord humbled him. And Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind, and he went insane. 
And he crawled around on the ground like an animal on all fours. His nails grew out like claws, and his hair grew down to the ground. And he licked the dew of the grass, and he ate grass for seven years. That was the greatest king who ever lived. At the end of seven years, he looked up to the sky, he came to his senses, and he chose to honor God. And it says he came back into his right mind, and the Lord restored him to his position as king. Keep that picture in mind when you read what Mary says, he has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. That's what she's talking about. That kind of power God has. Whether it's Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, or Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, or any modern day leader, our God is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's sovereign and all powerful. He is mighty. He does tremendous things. Mary said he's done great things. And not only has he done great things, Mary said he's done great things for me. And God wants you to know he's not just great, but he's great for you. If God was mighty but not for us, that would be very scary. But God is for you. And the reason that Mary was filled with joy is because God is mighty and he had done great things for her. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is strong. (laughs) The story of Daniel is a model for all of us. Daniel was in a battle. He was in grave danger. And you notice that he didn't panic. He responded with discretion and discernment. He went to the king. He said, I have a plan. You know what the plan was? The plan was to trust God. The plan was to trust God to do the impossible. The plan was to trust God to meet the need. And so in faith, Daniel waited on God, and he trusted, and then God provided. And so he's a role model on how to handle crisis. The model is to pray and to trust, and then to hear from God, and then in sync, act under the mighty hand of God. Act in sync with him. Mary was so happy because she was in sync with what God was doing, and he was doing a mighty work. The third reason that Mary was full of joy, we find in verses 53 and 55. She said, He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he had this promise to our ancestors, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. As you read this verse, What's the promise that God made to Abraham and his descendants? Which, by the way, is forever. What's the promise? To be merciful. The greatest illustration of God's mercy is the cross. Now, I'm so thankful for communion this morning. I've just had a sense of our need for God's mercy, for him to wash and to cleanse and to purify. You know that saying, the more you know, the more you know you don't know? Uh, The more you experience God, the more you realize how much we need God's cleansing and purifying in our lives. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. That happened in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying the night before. And it was so traumatic it almost killed him. It was so excruciating. The Bible says he sweat drops of blood. He who knew no sin actually became our sin. 
And once that transaction took place, then another spiritual law went into play, which is the result of sin is death. And so then within 24 hours, he died on the cross. That, my friends, is a picture of God's mercy. That is the picture of God's mercy. God is merciful because he paid for every wrong thing we ever did or ever will do. If we think we're okay, if we think we've done nothing wrong, then his mercy has no meaning. It has no real connection in our lives. It's just a theological concept. But if we know that we need forgiveness, then his mercy is a lifeline. Mary celebrated because she knew God's mercy. In summary, Christmas is not about what we have. It's not about the gifts. Christmas is all about who he is. I remember my first Christmas after receiving Christ. I I finally understood what it's all about. The birth of Jesus reveals the fact that God is mindful of us. The birth of Jesus reveals God is mighty. He overcame sin, Satan, and a sinful world in order to bring you and I into his kingdom. And if that's not enough, he wants you to have the freedom and he wants you to have the victory over every challenge, over every difficulty that you're experiencing. The birth of Jesus reveals that God is merciful. It's one thing to let somebody off the hook. It's it's another thing to actually pay for their mistakes. As we enter the Christmas season, uh, let's ask God to help us experience who he really is. We can go to the next slide. Let's ask God to help us experience how he is mindful and he is mighty and he is merciful. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you didn't leave us alone. Father, thank you that you came to each one of us, knocked on the door of our lives, Lord, wanting to have a relationship with us. God, thank you because you are mighty. Thank you that you're mindful of us. Thank you for being merciful. Lord, I pray that you would give us a fresh sense, a fresh awareness of who you are as we enter the Christmas season as we seek to honor you and to celebrate what you have done. God, I ask that you would, again, make it real and personal. So, Lord, would you meet each one of us where we're at in our circumstance? Meet us in our situation. I ask, God, that you would awaken us and help us to see and to hear your presence and your activity. And if you would keep your eyes bowed and your heads closed, I mean, your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to address a different group here today. If you're here and you've been thinking about a relationship with God, you've been searching, and today you're here because you're wanting to experience Him. And if you've never made a conscious choice to open up and say, God, I want you to be in my life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And it's real simple. The most important thing is for you to make that decision. And then after that, we just express that to God, which is what we call prayer. 
And so I'll say a prayer out loud, and I invite you to hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with, and I have a signal for that. If you would simply look up, and when, when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that describes you, go ahead and look up at this time. And if I accidentally don't see you, raise your hand so you catch my attention. But go ahead and look up and we'll pray in a moment. Right here? Yeah, okay, good. Anybody else? Yes, I see you here. Okay, all right. Anybody else? Don't want to miss anybody. Okay, I see you here. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah, the two of you. Good. Anybody else? In the back. Yes, I see you there. Okay, and there. Okay, let's pray. God, I'm here. God, I know that you've been getting my attention lately. I sense it. I sense it. And today I'm making a decision to say yes to open myself up to you. I want to experience you. And so I open my mind, the innermost part of my being, and I invite you to come into my life. And I ask that you would show yourself to me and that you would reveal your ways to me. Because the way I've been living, God, has not been working very well. In fact, God, I ask you to forgive me for the hurtful things that I've done to myself, to others. And I thank you for Jesus, what he did on the cross for me. And I accept Jesus' forgiveness. I accept Jesus. I accept your spirit into my life. And I ask you to forgive me. And if you're praying this prayer with me right now, just take a moment to receive his forgiveness and to receive his spirit of love for you. He's been waiting for this moment. Let him come in as you've made a choice with your will and allow him to be with you. God, I thank you for coming into my life. I thank you for forgiving me. And I ask that you would show yourself to me, make yourself real to me, and give me a new start. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give a hand to those who prayed that prayer.